0: So let's get started. Um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the, just a beautiful day outside. Thank you for your goodness expressed to us. Lord we just ask that revelations of heaven, that's all I ask, Lord, in things like this, that we have the revelations of heaven, unveiling of, of you and how you operate. And, and Lord, that we, our faith would be sure and steadfast? God, we just thank you uh, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, let me just put a little commercial in here, uh, real quick. Uh, why would why would this subject, the sovereignty of God, be so crucial for us? Um, let's put a. I just want to frame it and work, frame it for us. Um, you know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is really two major forces in that. It's faith and love, and uh, really you can throw in the third one: faith, hope, and love you know, hope being the object of your faith, faith, you know, what you focus on, the hope. And what happens when we start talking about the sovereignty of God is you're dealing with the reality of what you believe about who God is. Does your soul rest in peace in the reality of who God is? And, uh, and so what, the goal of this is to strengthen your faith. And every step that we take in this, should be in relationship to faith. Building your faith in the reality of God. And what's, like I said, the first couple of nights that we did this, um, why this is theirs, the subject is so important to me is, is that when we start dealing with the pains and the sorrows of life, you're looking for answers. Um, and I shared with you some of the situations and circumstances that where people went through and then when things tragically happened, it painted a light of who God was to create in their hearts. Could they really trust God? And uh, um, and the purpose of this is an attempt to deal with the hardcore issues of life, frame it in a way that hopefully reveals the truth of who God is, And how we participate in what he's doing. Um, You know, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, there were just three basic statements in relationship to the sovereignty of God. Or not statements, but things. The sovereign God created all things. The sovereign God rules over all things. And the sovereign God uh, um, owns all things. So he's the owner of everything, heaven and earth. But... Just going back on these, we talked about how God gave the authority over the earth to men. And uh, and the reality is, if you'll see in Colossians chapter 1, heaven and earth has to go through a redemption process. So evidently when Satan conned Adam and Eve into sin, I don't know how it affected heaven also, but literally you can see like it's Colossians 1 Oh, man, like 119 or, or 20 that you're seeing redemption having an effect over heaven and earth. And so the fullness of that scale, I just have to plead ignorance on that one. Uh, then the second one is, you know, God is the uh, owner of all things. God is the, uh, he, he's the ruler of all things. That's where we talked about the courtroom of heaven a little bit, just enough to give you a framework of it. Is that, And we will talk more about that next week how that God judges now and will judge the events that transpire on the earth. Uh, And we'll talk about how that occurs now. And God's ruling is within that framework of the courtroom of heaven. He keeps things in order. However, he is also a God of justice and righteousness. And that affects a lot of things in relationship to the events that transpire in the world. And the other we talked about is how God is the creator of all things. The sovereign God is creator. And the important thing that we talked about, how he created things to function. And one of the main things we said, he created everything with law. And law does not mean do's and don'ts, but how things are assigned. How he assigned things to function, there were five major statements. We dealt with the first one that God, the sovereign God, created everything with purpose, purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. Last week, we introduced how the sovereign God gives the freedom to receive and fulfill or reject and violate purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. And we talked about the first three, purpose and time and boundaries. And so before we go on any further, were there any questions or thoughts that you maybe had when we started talking about those three things, purpose, time, boundaries, and authority? I, as I was, you know how if you teach something, you automatically, after you teach it, your mind starts being flooded with, what did I just say? And, one, and, and when you're talking about a subject this big, to me it's like almost picking out the Atlantic Ocean and saying, okay, we're going to talk about one square meter of the ocean, and, uh, or Mount Everest, or something that big or that vast. Uh, The reality is God is so big and this subject is so big. And when we were talking about the subject of time last week, we were talking about Kronos time and Kairos time. And what I got thinking about how is that I painted a picture in relationship to negative, in relationship to Kronos, even though Kairos is the big, big one of the two. However, it does say in Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, uh, Lord, Uh, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. How we utilize chronos time is important. I.e., when you see the parable, the talent and the pound in, in Matthew chapter 25, where there's this concept of preparation, the five virgins, the wise virgins, prepared themselves ahead of time so that when the bridegroom came, uh, the other foolish virgins who did not prepare themselves ahead of time had to scramble and they missed the boat. And, uh, and so many times in life that we do not, we violate, I, I, I'm, this is one of the things that God is, I'm 61 years old and God's trying to redeem in me the ability to, to take, pay close attention to Kronos time ahead of time so that you're able to take advantage of Kairos time to the fullness. Because if you just blow off Kairos, I mean Kronos moments of preparation so that when it comes time to step into that, that doorway of Kairos, you've got to be able to step into it. Uh, like for example I mean this is a Kairos moment for me to be able to speak to you and and us to have this class together well it takes massive amounts of of time and preparation to go through this stuff so that when I step into this moment you know that you're getting what God's wanting to give is that you following what I'm trying to say and so there's that balance between Kronos and Kairos that how they, are, they connect together. Well, tonight we're going to talk about on, the, on this one, please feel free to ask questions, as always, uh, in the bottom of page 8, where sovereign God allows men and women and angels the freedom to fulfill or violate authority entrusted to them. Now, we got to, if you can tell, there are, ages 8, 9, 10, and 11 of subject about authority. So, when God, we say that God, when God created everything, he gave us authority. Now, let's think real quick. The first three things we said was purpose, time, and boundaries. But to fulfill purpose, you've got to have the authority to walk in it. Because when you think authority... Think right, the right to do something. Power is the force. I've got the right because I'm an authority at this place at this moment to walk over and turn the lights off. What's causing the lights to burn is power. That's a force. And the authority is the right. Really, it is the right to think, to speak, to act, to own. And, oh, there's another one. My mind went blank. You know, you, Tom, has a car. Well, the state is under the illusion that Tom has that right to drive that car until he has to pay taxes on it every year, which that still blows me out of the water. In Virginia, we have to pay taxes on a car that we already bought, you know, personal property tax. But that is a right that we have. We own it, but that is our right. A deed gives you a right to own on a piece of property. That's right. So when God comes along and he is setting things in motion, we're not robots. So what he does, he gives us the right to cause things to happen. So what we're saying here is the sovereign God gives authority to cause things to happen, to partner with him. And where we're saying a lot of times things happen is that, oh, God uh, predestines things and they're automatically gonna occur. Well, that is misconception because God has given authority. And that's why we're gonna spend some time tonight to deal with this. Um, do you remember back in on the, uh, well, you won't have, if you're on last, uh, on the first section where we're talking about the sovereign God created everything thing with purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. There's basically seven different spheres of authority that affect your life. Now, what I hope happens tonight in all of our lives tonight is that we call some things to light that you realize is in your hands. In fact, I will say this to you. Uh, the, the Hebrew word for authority has to do with under the hand or in the hand. Um, and so what I pray is tonight to realize that, okay, there's the there are spheres of authority that affect our lives. One is the authority in relationship to God and us. Second is God has given us authority over our own will. Second, uh, the, third, the third sphere of authority is the authority of uh, what I call parents to child. Children obey your Parents. Then there's what the term, I hope this is a word, spousal authority. You know, husbands and wives and, and that relationship. That's a sphere of authority. Uh, church authority. There's authority in that. There is governmental authority. And there is spiritual authority. Seven different spheres of authority affect your life. The question is, are we utilizing and take advantage of those spheres of authority? Um, like how powerful it is, uh, think about 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, where it says, uh, we're ready to punish every disobedience whenever our obedience is complete. Uh, to, to deal with spiritual warfare, dealing with the sphere of authority is crucial. And, uh, um, well, like in James chapter 4, verse 6, I think, verse 6, I believe it is, where it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he must free. Flee, free, flee. Because you think about this. A lot of times I watch people trying to resist the devil and not submitting to God. In fact, I have watched that occur times literally when I would have somebody helping me minister to somebody, and we're sitting there, I'm sitting in front of them, and uh, like one night I... I was, there was, I was ministering to this lady who we know she had some stuff going on in her. There were two other ladies with me, one on, sitting on each side of her. I looked at the one in the middle. Her name was, I can't remember who that was. It's a long time ago. None of y'all know him. But I spoke to the one in the middle. I said, in the name of Jesus, I, I can't remember what spirit it was. I called it up. And the lady on the left manifested. And I mean, she starts going into convulsions. And I look over and I'm going... I'm ministering here. I'm starting ministering here. Because what we're dealing with is we're starting to ready to punish disobedience in the spiritual realm. And this lady's obedience is not yet complete. Well, it turned out good. This woman got set free. Which is the benefit of that whole thing. And so understanding how to function this authority is important. So think about these seven spheres of authority real quick. God, authority over your own will, Family, uh, I mean, husband and wife, hu- uh, mother, father, church, government, um, and spiritual authority. Yeah, I think I did all those. Okay, let's, let's get started. In it. And notice first thing I want to just satisf- uh, clarify is we're going to deal with when we think about authority, this authority that you have, there's two things, two ways that you function with authority. First is you have authority. Um, you know, picking on Tom again. Sorry, Tom. Why don't you to move up here right here? Tom's a man of authority. He's, he's an elder the church, okay? He has authority. He's a, he's a husband. He has authority. He's a father. He has a... Well, he did have authority. <laughs> His kids are now married, so he don't have authority in their life anymore. We'll talk, we can talk about that in a few minutes. He's a, he's a professor at a school. He has authority, also, he is, he is a professor in school. That means he's under authority. Hey, babe. And, uh, um, and he's a man of God, and he happens to have a God who he's under. He's made Jesus the Lord of his life. Thomas operated in, in deliverance as before. Uh, he's got a real cool story of a guy who levitated one time. He's trying to kiss me. It's kind of a cool story. So in other words, so anyway, he operating in spiritual authority. There's many different areas of authority in Tom's life, okay? But in all of these spheres of authority, uh, Tom has two things that I just listed out there. There's places that he has authority, and there's places he's under authority. So the question we've got to deal with is, if God is inviting Tom to partner with him, how does he use authority, and how does he respond to authority? Because what we're going to see tonight is how you use authority can determine the flow of your life, both in events right now, every day, or eternal, or also how Tom responds to authority will determine the flow of his life. And so, so are you with me so far? When we're talking about authority, we're thinking two things. How you exercise authority, how you operate and respond to authority in your over you or under you, not over you, over you. I'm sorry. So anyway, uh, and notice what I want to show there on the, on number four at the bottom page eight, the proper exercise of authority. Very important that there's six things that I believe are scriptural in the proper purpose and functioning. Of the exercise of authority, now there's a real big discussion point in here that uh, if y'all want to go to, we can get to. But one of the things that my conviction is that these six things cover every sphere of authority, and uh, in the exercise of authority. And if you'll notice here, that the purpose of the exercise of authority is to serve. You know. Um, You know, Jesus said in in Matthew 20, verse, what is it? i sorry, 25 through 28, where he said, the Gentiles exercising authority, lording over. And Jesus goes on to say, it shall not be among you. Well, one of the things I'm wrestling with, and as I was studying this today, is that the purpose of authority from God's perspective is never to lord over. I know that when Jesus exercises, when we confess him as Lord, but it's not ever a tyrannical lordship. He's given you and I authority to establish him as Lord or not. He's not forcing his way into our lives. Like Revelation chapter three, verse 16 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So the purpose, the foundational purpose, one of the foundational purposes of authority, in exercising authority, is to serve. In fact, our government officials are supposed to remember this because we use the terms ah, you know, serve. They're serving in Congress, serving as the president, um, but somehow sometimes it gets mixed up, and uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So. Is to serve. In fact, uh, in that Matthew 20 passage, the revelation is the more authority you have, the more you have to serve. Like Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to, to, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So, the purpose of authority is to serve, and he's had the most authority and he gave the most. Second purpose of authority is to protect. You know, and this is standard equipment in DP, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it. Uh, the, second, the third purpose of authority is to be accountable for. You can delegate responsibility, but you cannot delegate accountability. You know, so the purpose of authority is to serve, to protect, accountability, regulate the flow of power. That's release the, release the good power, cut off the bad. Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And so you cut off the authority, use the power to, I mean the authority to cut off the power of the enemy. Release the good. When Jesus said to the Roman centurion, you know, I mean when the Roman centurion said to Jesus, I too am a man under authority. Say the word and my servant will be healed. So he took his authority, put himself under Jesus, released the power, that that authority released the power of God into his servant's life to bring healing. Um, and to build up, this is a really important one. Purpose of authority from God is to build up. Any time, oh, dude, I can, you know, kind of in certain ways, wish Paula wasn't here tonight because you just condemn yourself. And <laughs> you know, there's so many different areas in your life, you know, that that when you start speaking the truth of God, it just it just brings light to every area of your life, you know. And so the reality is the purpose of authority is to build up, never to tear down. It speaks that in two places in in 2 Corinthians. My role of a husband to Paul is there's authority there. The purpose of that authority is to build her up. My role as an elder here in dwelling place has authority in it, but is to build up. And and so, and also the third, I mean, not the third, the sixth facet of authority, purpose of authority, is to influence. So, what I ask you to do, we're going to look here in a few minutes, and you think about those seven spheres of authority that God has uh, that we that'll affect our lives. And I'm talking about you and I have authority. And one of the things that God wants us to learn how to walk in authority, and when we take, we want to walk in authority, with authority, those six things better envelop. or be contained in our exercise of authority, or else it can have negative repercussions. And uh, unfortunately for those in who have authority in a number of different areas, you're accountable for God for how you exercise it. And uh, I remember Paula, in our early days of marriage, um, that... You know, she was. I'm. I'm woman. Hear me roar, and I'm dumb mountain boy. You know, woman, you gonna submit. You know, type thing. And and our ability to understand how this the flow of authority worked was very limited. And and uh, I don't know what I was gonna say about that. Oh, but then when God gave her revelation about the power of submission, literally, what she would say in time, she would go, "Okay." Uh, you know, you got some authority here, paraphrase, in relationship to me, but I'm gonna say this, uh, you're accountable for God and He's gonna deal with you. <laughs> and and I, I literally I'm telling you, I would feel there were moments I would feel like the hand of God on my head, pushing down. And I'm going, oh Jesus, <laughs> you know. Have mercy on me, please, you know. And you know, that's why one of my favorite statements is when in doubt, repent, you know. And that's to your wife, you know. That's a lot of times I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. You know, just you know, you just want to get things right. Not only just because of the relationship, but because God's backing her up, you know. You know, you know, the one you know, there's with the wife, there's one there's really one function in the body in Christ Jesus. To her to me, and that's submit. There's ten things that who Jesus is as the bridegroom to us, and it, as I am to Paula. You know, I'm the head. I I, uh, I, yeah, I am to her as Christ is the church. That's to serve her, die for her. Um, I wash her with the water of the Word. Love her as I do my own body to nourish her and cherish her. Leave my father and mother clean to me. Not be embittered against her. Uh, what? Did I say wash her with the water of the Word? I think I've skipped one, skipped maybe two, but like going on to 1 Peter where it says, uh, live with her in an understanding way, treat her as a weaker vessel. And it goes on to say, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Never says that to her, to us, to me. And, And so he backs up this. So this accountability the functional authority. Now, at the bottom of the page, now let's talk about, let's flip it real quick, and let's talk about responses to authority. We talked about us exercising authority. Now let's talk about what are the proper responses to authority. If you'll notice, there's really basically three responses to authority, and one of them has two things. The first one is submit. Now y'all, it's very important to get these delineations. Submit. Submit is a military tor- term that literally means to order under. Okay? Submit, order under. Second response to authority is obedience. And there's two types of obedience. Hupakuo, you see the Greek words here. Hupakuo literally means to hear under. The type of authority is that children obey your parents. The second one is, is the Greek word pytho, where it means persuasion, or literally obedience based on persuasion. It's where, and that, just to put an application at this moment, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, that is my authority to you. You have a responsibility before God to, as like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is verse 17, to judge what I say. I'm, saying, I'm speaking to you right now, Judge means to divide out, sort out. You're judging what I say. I do not have the authority to tell you what to do. As an elder of this church, I cannot exercise authority to do that. Some of y'all who have been around the charismatic movement for a good number of years may remember a movement in the 70s and 80s called the shepherding movement where they violated, did not understand this principle of authority. They tried to use hupakuo type of authority to, to lord over people and tell them like what to do, who to marry, what to buy, and all this kind of stuff. I have no authority to tell anyone what to do, who to, who to date, who to marry, whatever. The only thing I can do as an elder in this church is to speak the truth of God to somebody in, in a manner to just give them revelation and they have to decide, judge what I say, am I speaking truth or not? And then it's on their heads. I don't have the right to say what to do, uh, you know. And I have gone there in times past, and and uh, in ways, and it is not cool at all, at all. Um, the uh, the other type of response to authority is the is is time, or which gets translated honor, honor your father and mother. Honor literally means just to value. Now, so we're thinking three three different overarching responses to authority. Submit, obey, honor. And all of those have appropriate responses and appropriate spheres of which they're applied. And, uh, And you can violate, just like I said a while ago... You can cause serious violations by taking one of those responses and put it at the wrong sphere of authority. I.e., just like I said, I'm an elder in this church. What if I tried to use authority and ask your response to be in relationship to hupakuo? That would be a violation to you. It would be, in essence, lording over you. I do not have that authority from God to do that. Now, I can try to take it, and I've watched it happen, and I've done it in stupidness, you know. I got butt footprints on my butt from those moments, <laughs> those times, you know, where I have done that, and, and I do not like it at all. So, um, are we cool up to this point in time? Yeah. hold on, Ron. Thank you, Tim.
1: Rick, I just want to ask you a question in rela- is this on? Yeah, it's on. In relation to like church discipline and authority. Now you say you have somebody that's operating in the negative responses to authority. I mean how do you like how do you build them up and I mean how how would you personally well, as an authority Let's think
0: about this. Let's go to the extreme. What if I went to the extreme of exercising spiritual authority over a person's life and their sin to turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Well, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? He says that I'll turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh that they may be, their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. It's expression of love. Or in 2 Corinthians, Timothy, where Paul does the same thing to these two dudes named Hymenaeus and Philetus, he makes a statement that turning them over to Satan, that they may be taught not to blaspheme. So it's, it is really affecting somebody's life in a positive manner when you do it, if you do it rightly. Uh, you can do it wrongly, and it causes destruction. Uh, Just like a chainsaw is a good thing, but you take it and you use it and it can cause serious injury to the person operating it or those around. And so when you start doing that stuff inappropriately without the right motives and heart, you're going to cause some serious trouble. And unfortunately, I've done that one twice. Yes, sir. Hold on.
1: I may be new here, but not new to the kingdom of God. Yes, sir. I've been into, um, my name is Van Pettis, you know, um, this young lady, but I waited on God to tell me what to do. So this young lady, she had an alcohol problem, drug problem, and people in church, a lot of people in church say, we are trying to help this young lady, but we can't (laughs) help her. I asked them, who sent you? They couldn't answer that. Because if you go on your own, God's not accountable for that. If God sends you, then you, you're more effective when you go there because they can receive you more and turn to repentance. I have found that I, you know, I don't know, I'm not enough with what you are saying, but uh, it's just some thoughts, you know, how we can get entangled with something God don't want us do at that moment.
0: You get entangled how? Huh? I'm sorry? Well,
1: we can get entangled with things. God don't want us to do at that moment, but we go in the time God wants us to do. We're more effective when we do it. They can receive us. Yeah. yeah. You, got to get, you got to get receivers. You know, get to, they got to accept. Because God will empower you. I have sat in the midst of dry bones for 12 years. Where young men give up hope or desire to live. But by me turning to repentance to God, God enabled me to minister to so many young men that lost hope or desire to live. In the same token, I couldn't read and write for 52 years, and God used my obedience, my obedience, uh, my relationship with Him to, to help and able to help myself. And they, now today, I can read and write because of King Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. I like See, that's that. That's what
1: God would do if you be obedient to God.
0: Yeah, there you go, brother. You
1: know, I've been through it, and I know, even though I've been through, I went through a high spot three years ago. I died twice. And doctor told me that was, he lost me a couple of times. And I, said, I said, I know it because I was in the most beautiful place in the world. Hmm. Big white cloud with the water so far down and there was Jordan River that held on stream screen to flow right today for our lives. And I thank God for grace and mercy Yes, I'm going through hard times, but I know God, he's holding me in the hollow of his hand. There you go, bro. I was invited today. Um, I've been here a couple of times, but I never did come into service. But I met somebody today, you know. I didn't have, I didn't have enough need today. He brought me some need. I, I do invite every two, three days, you know, whatever. But um, I thank God for him. And, and God used him to bring me here today. That's cool. Because you know, for many that's led by the spirit of God are the children of God.
0: There you go.
1: Everybody, you don't listen to everyone. You got to, you got to test the spirit, see is it of God or not. That's why a lot of people are getting killed today and things like that because they're not listening to God. They stuck up with pride. Pride can not hear the voice of God.
0: We're not taking the authority that God gives in us to, to shift our own lives. To you, yeah, to, to utilize hear, it. To hear. That's good. Thank you so much, brother. And I thank you for your time. Thank you me. for your time. Well, you're welcome
1: here, bro. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's What's not, your name? Van. Van Pettis. It's not that uh, I know I'm welcome here. I'm a child of the king. I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere, anyplace. But a lot of time they would judge me. They might see me with crovers, Might see me at food in line, try to get help, get food, and judge me. But I'm sort of like the Peter was. Twelve. He waited twelve years for somebody to help him, and nobody would help him. A lot of God's people walked by him, just ignoring him, ignoring him. But that was a test for God's people, It wasn't a test for Peter. But it was a test for God's people to see where their hearts was, and where your where your heart is at liberty. If you got a true heart, you can deliver, you can help somebody. Because they'll feel the beat, they'll feel your heartbeat. They'll feel your compassion and love. But if you don't have that, they know that. If you're sincere, I don't care. I don't care. You know, I went, on with, I went to North Carolina, and ma'am is there. let me tell you, I don't, I'm going to take you two more minutes. Ma'am is there to eat, wanted one of some chickens. I didn't have a three-dollar. But I took him in there and got that $3 of chicken. Because you know what? That was a test for me. You got to weep with your soul. So you know, that's, that's my heart. And that's where I was raised. I'm originally from Finkelson, Virginia, which I lost my mother, father, three brothers, three sisters, and two kids, my own, gone on be with the Lord. My brother got counsel. My sister got three, had three strokes, anybody else. No, they can't help me. But I got to be what God want me to be. Because God got a plan and a purpose for everything. And God said, you the foolish things, this world, to find the wise, to open the eyes, that those was blind that they will be made to see. Because he is Lord. He is our Lord and our Savior. You're not by here by coincidence. None of you are. You're here because God called you here. You're obedient. God going to honor that. I know many other places we could have been. I could have been on the side of the road hitchhiking, probably. But that's all right. But who? But you know what? I'm one of the foolish things God have used. But I thank God, I'm not that way no more. There you go, bro. <laughs>
0: Don't be thinking that. You, man of wisdom, you, you preach it, brother. You preach it. Thanks, man. Van, right? You said your name was Van. Van. Okay, uh, any other thoughts or questions up to this point in time? We talked about exercising authority and we talked about proper responses to authority. And real quick, I wanna sh- talk about negative responses to authority. Uh, first one is resist authority. Um, literally, it's in one that's used in Romans 13:2, where it talks about those who resist authority receives condemnation to themselves. It's a picture of literally just in your heart, you're going, I'm not listening. I'm not going there. You who have, have kids have, I'm sure you've experienced that at some point in time, you know. Well, you're saying something, and you know before you say anything, they don't they put their feet in, and they are not going there. That's resisting authority. Um, another is rebellion and stubbornness, uh, which is as, as the sin of divination. Uh, and the other, another one is this disobedience, and that's apitho, if you can tell. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the same Greek word for persuasion with a negative in front of it. In other words, you're unwilling to be persuaded. Um, if an authority speaks in your life in any way, shape, or form, and you just got a mindset, I ain't going to listen to them, uh, that is a form of uh, a negative <laughs> response to authority. And then another one is, is disobedience. And it's literally, the Greek word parakouo, it literally means um, akuo, that you just don't, it's like this. You're going, I don't want to hear. Because obedience has got to do with hearing under, and so you hear, and you say, I ain't going to hear it. I'm just not hearing it. And you're not going to respond. So in any way, shape, these are the negative flows of authority. Now I want to go on real quick because what I want to do is take each type of authority and go through real quick what is the proper response because the danger is to take, like I said earlier, take a particular sphere of authority and use the inappropriate response. And so if you'll notice... uh, uh, Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. And well, I don't know if we've got enough time to do this, but I'm going to read the passages. In 13.1 it says, Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. So the first Response to authority is submission. Again, submission, I'm gonna say this, and I, maybe I didn't say it before. Submission has nothing to do with doing what the authority says. All submission does is has to do with ordering under. It's just a military term, like I said before, it's the hoopa tasso. Hoopa means under, tasso means to order, to order under. You order yourself under that authority. And, uh, and notice with me in Titus, in Titus, oh, I messed up, oh yeah. In Titus chapter 3, verse 1, the other part of, of, uh, of authority that, that's required of God, in Titus chapter, it says, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, in English it says, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. Okay, as you can tell in your notes, the question you've got to ask is, what form of obedience is that? Well, it is the Greek word, pytho. In fact, no, it's not pytho. It has, it's a derivative of it. Um, see, let me make, find it real quick. Um, it's pytho. Archeo. Archeo means ruler. It means persuasion by rulers. Uh, for example... Um, okay, before I give you the example. Okay, it's submission, and a th- obey based on persuasion. And if you'll notice, the other one is, is in 1 Peter 2.13 and also 17. It's honor, honor the king, honor. So in relationship to governing authorities, there's three responses, appropriate responses. Submit, Be willing to be persuaded and honor. Well, the the proper good, a super illustration of this is Daniel. Daniel was told, uh, like the king made a a decree, Nebuchadnezzar made, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar, made a decree that based on some people tricking Nebuchadnezzar to make this decree that you're not to pray to anybody except for him. So, but Daniel, Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not bowing before the the big idol. Daniel's was praying. So Daniel, as was normal for him, is every day what God is calling him to do, to pray. Because why? The Word of God says, Far be it from me that I should sin against you by failing to pray for you. Sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So Daniel, a decree is made by the king. Daniel goes, this is not truth. God's truth rules higher than any governmental law. And so Daniel, as was his custom, didn't try to hide anything, opened the window and bowed and prayed as as always did. Of course, it was then he could easily be seen. And notice they arrested him. Here's the submission came in. Daniel submitted to the punishment. He didn't argue with them. He didn't fuss with them. He submitted to it. And when he was talking to the king, everything was honor. He didn't smart off. He didn't say any derogatory terms. Uh, Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they didn't bow before the idol, the big idol that Belshazzar had constructed? says, king, we do not need to answer you concerning this matter. You know... (laughs) I mean, it's the gist of it is, is you know that, uh, where's the the microphone, here, man's got something. So you know, the response is that uh, they didn't have to, they didn't have to find things. They were honorable to the king. And so they submitted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also submitted to the punishment of the king. And so, you know, and they threw them in the fiery furnace. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. And as they were submitting, when I go overseas, uh, like when I go into uh, uh, um, Syria, for years, uh, except for the very first time I went there, for the years that I went over there into Syria, it was illegal for the church to meet. And so when I went in there, and I didn't necessarily tell Paul this, But but for me to be there, well, I, me to be there was okay. But for there to be a gathering in a mill's house was not legal. And so for me to preach in that, quote, church was illegal. And so you go there going, in your mind, you're going, okay, um, okay, Lord, I am. But a higher call to you. you have calling me to go to Syria. I must go. And so, or the time in the 1991 when it was illegal for Americans to go to Cuba. I go to Cuba, and, you know, when you go in there, you're going, okay, when I go in and come out, I could be put in jail. You know, I didn't hide it, didn't try to operate in dishonor. You go in there with a heart, okay, whatever happens, whatever happens but so, so you get it, there's three spheres in relationship to government obedience based on persuasion, submission you're submitting and honor, don't run your mouth about rulers, kings presidents congressmen, no matter what the political affiliation is that can get serious trouble Man. you
1: know one thing about Daniel Daniel knew what God had given you. But Daniel baggage people do, when they bound it, he said, just fall upon me, you don't fall upon me as others do. You know, Daniel, he was a great warrior. You know, just like we got great warriors in this church. You know, God gonna use mighty. You know, um I thank God for you all tonight. You know, um it revived me, it did. I'm going to tell you, I done had some horrible feelings the last two or three days. Man, I ain't nothing but the devil. Man, but the devil, but you know what? God's more strong here. He have given me the power to cast my way, to put him on my foot. And I know when Daniel was in predicaments that God had encrypted him, they couldn't do nothing, just God let them do it. And the devil can't do nothing to Van. yes, God, tell them. Because I know. God said, do not touch my anointings, nor do him no harm. But I know one thing, and I thank God for this service tonight. I thank God for the people to receive me in the name of Jesus. That's why I like to be in the presence of people. They know God, they know the purpose, and know what God wanted to do. Cause we are living in pure times. there's no tomorrow, today is tomorrow. Amen. Today is tomorrow. Every time you look around, somebody knows it. it's gone with the Lord. The Lord not letting them suffer as we suffer. And we should thank God for it. You know, it's just like I told my brother, and I told my sister, you know, and I told them, you know, if it's God's will for me to go, you know, I'm I'm ready.
0: (laughs) You come, brother, you come, you come.
1: I'm ready because you know what? He gave me a chance to prove myself. He gave me a chance to turn things around and all things came new. All things come new. That's why sometimes I tell the people, I say, I'm not that way no more. It takes Jesus and no one else. And that's what it takes in the church is Jesus and no one else. Amen. I don't want to sit around and let somebody die in front of me before, I, before I helping them, without saying some kind word to them. Something I can say to help somebody along the way. I can't live like that and serve God and say that I'm a uh, I have a relationship with God and do that. Relationship with God will give you concern, fellas. And uh, nothing to I thank God for the compassion I feel in here tonight. I thank God for Daniel he helped me along he helped me along the way in my struggles, but I read the book of Daniel and sh Neshach, Meshach, and Benigot and all of them. <laughs> You know, and I went through the fire myself. You know what though? I wanna tell y'all something. I'm gonna tell you I it was about seven and a half months I was in that thing. And you know what? I never did feel any pain. Even though I was burned like that all the people, I never did feel no pain. And when I came around, the doctors did grab me and when they take the scraps off of me and I was running down the hallway. They said, you're going to fall and hurt yourself. And right after then, I couldn't walk no more. Because what I was doing, running for the Lord, and what he did for me. Running for the Lord. And when, I, when they took me back in the room, then after that I had to go to a nursing home and I had to walk all over again. Hmm.
0: That's
1: God. Nobody but Jesus.
0: Praise brother. Pray Nobody
1: it. but Jesus.
0: It. Thank you, brother. And if you find anything better than Jesus, you can have it, I don't want it. I think you I think you and I have been in the same hospital room together. <laughs> Seriously. Huh? I think, I'm wondering if you and I were in the same hospital room one time. I'm sitting here trying to figure it out. I was in, um, were I, was you in, in I was
1: in Wake Forest about seven and a half months. And I, yeah, no, not there, and but I it's like, to, Roanoke, you better have been to
0: Roanoke Hospital or? I've been to, um. Radford.
1: I've been to Roanoke Hospital my 10 years, but. 10 years. 15 years ago. Okay, it wasn't then.
0: But I went there going to living mm.
1: and cooking forward. I have, Lord knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. If I got a, you got a mother or anything, don't put them in that nursing home, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it wasn't but the spirit of death in that. Oh, man, I bet. People dying all around you, man. Make you wonder what you make it out. Because they're infertility and things like that. May God use me over there too. To be a blessing and to ministry over to there. Mm -hmm. Did the pastor that came from Clinton Forge that I went to school with, didn't know I was there, but came there and how God used me. I want to be used. I don't want to be in a place that I can't be used. I don't want to be in a position of, I don't want to be a head of a church if I can't be used. I don't want to be a deacon if I can't be used. I want to be a voice I can be heard to be a blessing to the church.
0: Thank you, brother. Thank you.
1: I get a little wired up, man.
0: Yes, all right, brother. What you got to say is important, brother. Okay, Stephen. Stephen. Uh, so I wanted
1: to ask then. Is it possible then that when you know the Lord's pressed upon your heart to go about and, and do something or speak something, uh, and something comes along that's out of order that tells you not to do that, um, that you have the freedom and
0: authority to disobey that as long as you're willing to accept the consequences for that without smarting off? you talking about it, which sphere of authority are you talking about? Um, this this last one that we've been speaking on uh, governmental authority.
1: Yeah, yeah. For 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 somebody who's in a
0: leadership position in the government. Uh, not necessarily the government. It could just be. It could just be. I don't know. Uh, like church leadership or. Well, you, well. The whole. Then, yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah. Can you hold that question real quick? Okay. That's a great question. Great question. Let's get let's get that. All right, let me real quick, let me go through these real quick. How about wives to husbands? Husband is the head of the wife as Christ the head of the church. True or false statement? Husband is the head of the home. False. Never says it in a word that the husband is the head of the home. The husband is the head of the wife. Wife is the ruler of the house. That's the Greek word in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. The Greek word oik, um, um, despoteo, ruler of the house. The woman is also the watcher of the house. Man is the head of the wife, and the woman's response to the husband is to submit, order under. And it, really, it's interesting to me, obedience doesn't come in relationship to any of the responses that I see in Scripture in relationship to wife to husband. The heart is just submission. And that, in that ordering, releases the power of God to have an effect. Um, in fact, I doubt we'll probably have time to get into it, but, but um, think about 1 Peter 3, 7. Wives, submit to your husbands, even if they're disobedient to the word, that they may be won by the behavior of their wives. What's that saying? Is in this place of, let me just put this in here... Um, for years, as being a person of an authority, both in the church and also being a head of my wife, I believed that I needed to exercise authority to protect her or exercise authority to protect in the church. But God started convicting me that protection does not come from exercising authority. Protection comes in the, in the response to authority you know, where it says um, in relationship to wives, well, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders, submit to them as those who watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Submit to those who watch over your souls. So the power to protect comes in the submission. Paula's, my ability to protect Paula is not come in me exercising authority, Lording over to protect her, it, the power to protect comes in her response to my authority. That's why, in that 1 Peter 3 7, even if the husband is disobedient to the word, there's power in relationship to the wife's response to do two things. One is protection for her, and two is in relationship to her ability to bring allow the conviction of God to affect her husband. Now, I want to make sure that I don't put all the weight on that on the husband, but I just want to say this. The most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things is the power of submission to authority. And it is it's very powerful. And so, so um, uh, you know, there's a whole other, I wish we could speak a lot about that. Um, children to parents. It's, as you see in your notes there, it's obey. It's, it's obey. There's no choice that when, uh, like, uh, you know, Kinsey, I guess it gets a little gray, right, and here we don't necessarily have true children in here. Children, obey your parents. The Greek word there for child literally means one who's, who's in a place of, uh, of, of support, dependency. And so uh, when you're, you know, like when Kinsey's living in Mitch's house, submit, I mean, not obey. So the responsibility is for Kinsey to obey. And I said a while ago, no, Tom doesn't have any authority in relationship to his kids anymore. No. Because when, when like, Ryan got married, husbands, Leave your what? Father and mother and cleave to your wife. So suddenly there's a transition of authority that Ryan is no longer under Tom's authority. He's his own man. And Shay, I don't have the authority over to tell Shay what to do as he did when he was like 13, 14, 15, 16. And what makes it it's really interesting is when they're 31 and they're living in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle came back for a period of time. And really, I, I don't have the authority to speak in Michelle because Michelle is a woman and supporting herself, even though she's just in this place of transition. So this really kind of interesting thing in there, how you operate in that. Yeah. Now, the one thing that never transitions is, you remember the, the Ephesians 6, Children, obey your, your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you live long upon the earth. Honor your father and mother. And it doesn't, the honor is not in relationship to children. Because in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not honoring their fathers, their parents. And what the application in it is that is, honor never goes away. No matter, my dad was 92 when he died, and the responsibility for me was not was to always honor him. Honor does not have to do with doing what he says. Because in 1986, when God called me to go into ministry, I'm married to Paula. And what got interesting, I was, dad was my boss. I was working un, un, under him in Times Saver so Food Stores, but God called me to go into ministry, and so. I go in to tell him, well, we're, we're leaving the business, selling out, and Paul and I are moving to Texas and going to ministry full-time. Well, you know, you thought I told him I was going to rob a bank. And uh, you know, I was the dumbest, stupidest person on the face of this earth that I would do such a thing. But I had to look at him and say, Dad, I've got to do what God tells me to do. It, there's always a place that I didn't have to do what he said which was uh, really a really challenge for him. But the other was, is that I always had to honor him. And I wish I could sit here and tell you that I continually did that, but there is mercy and grace <laughs> in those moments. Uh, but, but always to honor, so so far. Now this is where we're gonna get into what Stephen here, the next one is is religious leaders. And I already told you about that. Religious leaders, Greek word, Is pytho, obey your leaders, submit to them as those who watch over your souls. So in relationship to me, here's where it comes in, Stephen, obey and submit. So right now, in this service right now, I'm the one who's in authority. All of you in here have, you're in the process of operating in obedience based on persuasion. I already said it earlier, you're judging what I say. And then you are also... Am, am I speaking truth or not? Like, it, like if I all of a sudden I said, "Okay, all of us come up and uh, let's let's just seek the Lord together." So you are going to judge what I say. Is that going to be in, is that in line with the truth of God in relationship to what this service is going on? You know, I mean, for you, are you gonna are you gonna obey it? Are you persuaded that what I'm saying is truth? And you're always to test. Let me just put a little commercial in here. you always to test. Test. 1 Timothy, I mean First John chapter 4, verse 1. Test the spirits. Always determine something's truth. And there's three facets of truth. Right, Addie? There's what of truth, the word of God. There's the who of truth, Jesus. And there's the heart of truth, which is the spirit. Just because somebody says content of truth, the content, They're speaking the word of God does not mean it's in the fullness of truth because it's got to be in relationship to who Jesus is. And it also has to be in relationship to the heart of truth was the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And how do you know you speak that is in love? Unlike the other day in class, I got up in Addie's faith and I said, I love you. I screamed it and I backed off and I said, is that was that truth? No, that was not the fullness of truth because I did not speak truth to her in love, in the Spirit. So you're testing what I'm saying. And then as I call for a response, is it in line with truth? And you don't go there if it's not truth. and uh, at, Or else that's where Kool-Aid comes in, <laughs> you know, in various forms. Um, now what... what Stephen's question is, Stephen, especially in a service like this, you've got a responsibility to submit because I've got authority in this service. If you don't want to submit to the leadership of what I'm doing here, then it's a free society, but the best thing for you to do would be to not speak or leave because then you'd be dealing with some issues that you'd be violating authority. Because I have a responsibility to judge what's being said. You know? Any, and if you say something, I'm judging it. I'm judging what Van said. That's not a negative thing. Because I got responsibility for you. To protect you. Every one of you in relationship to what's being said. Any of you say. And, and if I don't exercise that authority to protect, I could be violating you. In way, shape, or form. So so so, Stephen, in relationship to that, somebody may feel like they've got something to say. Well, that's why we have like we have set up structure in the church, we got prophetic moderators to sort out what's being said and judge what's said. You know, like in 1 Corinthians 14, if a prophet steps up, let those who are seated pass judgment. So you're judging about what's being said. Does that answer your question? You know, and so, um, and we can speak in relationship to the government in some places. You know, uh, in U.S. government, you have freedom of speech, but you go into uh, go in. Uh, I tell you, the worst place for me to go, and then going to the Middle East was going into uh, was Jordan. Syria was freer than Jordan, and Lebanon was freest of all. But Jordan, I could have got a, a woman killed just like that. And Jordan's kind of got the, the distinguished being an American ally, but they're really one of the leading countries of honor killings in, in, uh, of women. You know, If I spoke to a woman and, re- and she responded to me, she, she'd most likely be killed just like that. If I spoke on the streets, I could cause serious problems for myself and also those who are hearing me. So you have, to, you have to weigh the cost. So religious leaders, how about work? It's interesting how I get this is when you start talking about masters and slaves, That's that, when you take a salary from somebody, guess what? You're, you're under their authority. An interesting thing, y'all, in relationship to work, it uses the Greek word obedience, hupakouo. Now think about this. Uh, if somebody works for me, I'm a, I'm a boss, I have, I have properties and, and I have businesses. If somebody's working for me, they, uh, they do what I say. If they don't, they can lead the sphere of my authority Freely. But if they're going to stay in the sphere of my authority, guess what? They're going to do what I say. You know, and so, of course, obviously, always you're judging what's being going on and being said. You know, because if something unrighteous is going on, you ain't you're gonna you're gonna leave that sphere of authority. That's sort of what I was telling to tell Stephen within the sphere of authority, wherever you're at. You know, you got to operate with that proper sphere of authority. But you can also lead that sphere of authority. Like if somebody who's working for me, they don't want to do what I say, they have the right to lead that sphere of authority and not be in violation to God. If they quit working for me, there's no big deal. That's no big (laughs) deal. All they have to do is go what? Find another job. You know, Right. do say that again. I, I just said if, if you don't do something, if like somebody's not obeying you and you just let it go, then you're violating your authority because of the boundaries that you're violating in response to that relationship. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Sometimes the best thing you can do for somebody is fire them, and it's not nice and not comfortable. But that's the best thing you can do because you're, you're exercising the authority that you've got to protect that business that's there. So, um, authority, the sphere of authority of God. Y'all, uh, obviously, that's an unnegotiable. And you can see the verses there in reference to it. You know what that one is. It's up-a-ku-o. You He says it, you do it. And the best to, to respond accordingly. And then the next uh, the sphere of authority is spiritual. That's, that's in relationship dealing with the, the spiritual realm and dealing with the demonic. And uh, let me ask you a question. Where's the authority at in the spiritual realm? Where is the authority at in the spiritual realm? You want to exercise authority in the spiritual realm, where's the authority? In the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there's the authority. You know, Jesus says in in Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 17, where the disciples come back and they say, Even the demons are subject to us in your name. In my name, they will cast out demons. So, in the name of Jesus is what dictates the flow of the spiritual realm. However, let me warn you this, just been a little commercial in here. What empowers your authority to function? is faith. Do you remember when the disciples, when Jesus is up on the Mount of transfiguration, he's coming down, he comes down off the mountain, his, this, ten of his, nine of his disciples were there, were trying to cast the demon, this deaf and dumb spirit, out of this young boy. They could not get it out. So, you know, so Jesus comes down and he says, oh, you have little faith, you know. Um, I don't know you don't know, he said, you perverted and unbelieving generation, I think it was, he said to him, And then later on, he told him, told him. he said, because of the littleness of your faith. They had asked him, he says, why could we not cast it out? And he said, because of the littleness of your faith. In other words, what he's saying in that, you have the authority, they had the name of Jesus, but what will have an effect is your faith. Your ability to exercise faith in speaking the name of Jesus. I remember the first time somebody put um, David Cobb put me in front of a, 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 this young girl to cast this spirit of witchcraft out of her. You know, it's almost like, okay, in the name of Jesus, okay. It's almost like I was going in the name of Jesus, will you please uh, <laughs> go out? Well, that spirit ain't going nowhere. You know? And, uh, but when you operate with faith in what, in the name of Jesus, boom. Things can happen. So the name of Jesus dictates things in the spiritual realm. So, okay, cool. Is that okay up to this point in time? All right, we're talking about, let me, res- real quick, what we've done is we've talked about exercising authority. We've talked about responses under authority. We've talked about proper responses to authority. And uh, what I want to go through real quick are some examples of authorities being violated. We've got 11 minutes to do this. And so uh, so I want to honor the Kronos time with you guys. Now, the cool thing is you've got the notes here. But I want you to notice how I broke this up into two categories. Improper responses to authority that are contrary to the design of God. So you've got responses to authority and they're, in, they're, they're improper. And then the, the second one, further down in B, violations and improper exercise of authority. Now, I, want you, I just want to go through some of these real quick because we're talking about sovereign God, and God a lot of times gets blamed for stuff he don't have nothing to do with because authority's been violated. I do not like the statement where it says, well, whatever's, you know, it ain't gonna happen unless God allows it. Huh? He, uh, you know, one thing I don't like parents giving their, uh, giving their kids to their parent, uh, God. Don't give your kids to God. God gave them to you. You exercise the authority over them. And, and, and that take the authority. It's almost like in the place of, you know, Humble your people praying, humble me, God. And you're going, whoa, God's going, no, no, don't you pray that. It's humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And so this whole thing about how to operate in authority. So let's talk about, look at some responses to authority. Rebelling or resisting authority. We already talked about that in, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. He who resists authority receives condemnation to himself. Or how about King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, when he, God told him, to wipe out the Amalekites. Was it the Amalekites? Yeah, the Amalekites. And they did, he did not. He let the, the king live. And Saul came, I mean, Saul Samuel came and rebuked him and told him he was operating in the, in the spirit of divination. And so the result, I want you to notice the results of each of those things. It literally was Saul rebellion. It literally demonic activity was released into his life. Remember, it was after that where it said a evil spirit from the Lord came to terrorize him. That's the courtroom of heaven. And also in that same thing, his kingdom was taken from him. And, you know, that, that his kingdom would not last. Think about this. Quote, sovereign God, God promised to Saul, if you obey, your kingdom will endure. Just like he said to, to Solomon, he did not, his kingdom did not endure. And so you could go, oh, God, what did God do? No, the authority was on Saul to respond to God properly. How about rejecting authority? Where well, the Jews rejected the authority to receive Jesus. They rejected it. The result was a nation persecuted and scattered among the nations. Here's the interesting question. Would, what if Israel, this, think about this one. This is a big one. This is a what if, and I'm not saying it. But what if when they were, at, they were presenting Jesus, Pilate was presenting Jesus, what if the people were repented at that spot? He says, oh God, we turn to you and receive the Messiah. Was that, would that be possible? I know this, that when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to tell him he was going to destroy it, they repented and God changed his mind. And it says that in, that in that book. And that's why Jonah got mad. He's going, that's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He knew that when, if he went and told them you know, they would repent, that God would not destroy them like he said he was going to do. Yeah, he wanted them destroyed. Yeah, that, yeah, that's for sure. And so, or uh, how about this one, y'all? Okay, you've got authority and you want to respond to it, but you can transfer that authority two couple of ways is one when adam and eve sinned there was a transfer of authority do you know what happens when you sin and you in a particular area and repeated sins in an area you literally transfer authority over your life in a particular area of your life a sphere of your life and give authority to a demonic spirit to harass you that's a transfer of authority you talk about sovereign God. God's going, you have authority in your life. You don't have to have that spirit there. You know, and so I could talk a lot about that. How about this one? I mean, Matthew chapter seven, verses one through six, the sin of judgment. Judge not lest you be judged. In the same way you judge, you'll be judged. You know, and it goes on to say, you know, if you've got a, a, a log in your eye, how you take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, it says, first take with the log out of your eye and then deal with the speck And your brother. And then it says this, do not cast your pearls before swine or give what is literally holy to dogs. What is he saying? When you judge inappropriately, you literally turn yourself over to demonic entities to give you a hard time. You judge somebody. Watch how long it'll take for that which you judge the other person for to come upon you. I could tell you testimony after testimony of that. You're giving yourself over into demonic activity. You're taking the authority you have and you're saying, okay, demons, come and get me, which is, which is part of it. How about not, not treasuring the authority that you have? Esau selling his birthright. He, he, he forsook a whole heritage by not taking the authority that he had in his birthright and treasure How, Y'all, all of us in here in this room have got a birthright from heaven. And to treasure that, to search it out and apply it into our lives, that's, that's if we don't respond appropriately to the authorities God given, it can have an effect in our lives. How about improper, improper exercises of authority? Uh, let me go through these real quick. Um, literally where I was talking about the Gentiles lord it over. And this is one I, I just really ask you to, can I just ask you to really call this a line established. My conviction where I'm at right now is God never desires for authority in no matter what sphere to be a lording over. No matter where it is, even in a government, is not a quote lording, dominating, tyrannical, tyrannical over. Those six purposes of authority I was speaking earlier are so important, and uh, because what happens, one of the things I was start saying, okay, what are the what's the results of when you got a, a lording over type of authority, and I, what I saw was a fear of leadership, a fear of fear of leadership. Uh, um, it created a a lack of faith in some of the situations I was looking at. And you can probably remember some other types where authority gets exercised in a tyrannical manner um, in any of the specific spheres. How about not exercising authority to take care of a people where in Hosea 4, 6, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. In that passage of Scripture, God starts rebuking the prophets and the priests for not feeding the people And, you know, that could be said in relationship, that that challenge can be said in relationship to leaders and dwelling place or, or, or churches. Are we speaking the truth of God? Are we causing people to perish because of a lack of knowledge? And this one grieves my heart. I was talking to Mitch and Leah about this earlier. How many churches did we go in where you're hearing the major ministry that's being spoken is the law of Moses and not the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? and where people are being caused to stumble just by speaking things, you know, in a manner that causes people to set up law within themselves, and sure enough, law entices the flesh to sin, and it'll just cause people to get in bondage over and over again. And so, you know, not exercising authority that God gives his leaders. How about not exercising authority to protect? David, um, David, uh, uh, in 1 Chronicles 21, he did not exercise his authority properly. And guess what? 70,000 innocent people are killed. Innocent people were killed. You're talking about sovereign God. Where's the authority? And that's where you you see there where God was like, it said, God was angry with David. Or Or where you see in 2 Samuel 21 where Saul created a sin against the Gibeonites as a leader and as a result famine hit the nation of Israel for three years. And you can see these uh, um, different expressions. I I don't want to violate this, the time is up. Um, um, In relationship to God's giving you and I authority And what I was going to ask you to listen and think about tonight, you know, what authority do you have? How are you going to exercise it? Then you've got authorities in your life, and the question is, how are you going to respond to them? Um, And I've given you a bunch of different examples because here's the reality, y'all. Your life has a purpose to fulfill. And how you and I respond to the authorities in our lives will determine whether we fulfill those purposes or not. Let me close out with this simple example. The ultimate expression of authority is the name of Jesus. If I do not submit my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, my eternal destiny is affected. But in that place also affects my everyday life. And how, if I do not enact that authority to allow Jesus in my life, I have only a slavery to live according to the flesh. There's no way the flesh will fulfill the purposes of God. In fact, the flesh wars against the spirit. And so, uh, so authority is crucial to fulfill the purposes of God in our lives, to walk in the boundaries of God that God has for us and also his time. So let's summarize this up. The sovereign God gives us the freedom to receive and fulfill or reject and violate purpose, time, boundaries, and authority in our lives. And so, um, is that cool so far? So, cool? Well, Van, it's a blessing to have you here tonight, brother. Well, you brother, you're always welcome here. I'm going you charity.
1: Can nobody help you get into heaven but Jesus?
0: <laughs> and there you go.
1: No relationship, no fellowship, nothing but relationship with Jesus. That's who you need to concentrate on Jesus and no one else. If you were married, your wife didn't help you to heaven. You got, you got to pay your way. And Washing of his blood Anything? any question you got that need answer Go to your closet because the Holy Spirit will minister to you It will speak to you it taught me how had to read right
0: I like that brother.
1: But I wanted I wanted to share show a show song with y'all For all y'all
0: well, sing it to us brother.
1: This is slow. This book All of us got mothers and fathers gone, you know some on the way but the name of the song is Jordan River. Amen. I got to map my paper. here. Take my false teeth away. I, ain't got no <laughs> I ain't got no teeth in the way we just laughed I ain't got no teeth, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> the name of the song is Jordan River. I think about all the mothers and fathers here. My mother and father going on with the Lord.
0: Hold it up to your mouth because I can't hear in you
1: mother, father, and brothers and sisters going on with your Lord. In the same token, we got, you got a lot of things. God. I could be here with parents and loved ones. But no one can help you get into heaven but Jesus. It's about your relationship you with Jesus. No one else. Amen? Amen. I just want to encourage your heart The song. <clears throat> Jordan. Tell me, who's gonna help me to crawl? Whoa, Jordan River. Tell me, who's gonna help me to crawl? When I got one more river to crawl a river to crawl don't you know my mother she'll be waiting but she can't help me to crawl oh my father will be waiting and he can help me to crawl, but I got one more river to crawl, a river to crawl. Don't you know that Jesus will be waiting and he's going to help? Me to crawl. Oh, that Jesus will be waiting and he's gonna help us to crawl cause we got one more river to crawl a
0: river to crawl preach it brother <laughs> well let me just pray Close thanks for singing that to us brother Lord I just want to thank you for uh, thank you for his privilege to be here tonight and I thank you for Van coming in here and blessing us Lord and, and Lord I just, we just want to pray agreement for your blessings to be over Van and all that he touches and, and Lord uh, just knowing the realities that you Jesus are with him never leave him, never forsake him and God, we just bless Him, and we thank You, Lord. For, I just thank You for my brothers and sisters tonight, and and God, just uh, just I speak blessings over them, Lord. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.